Thanks for joining us, guys. The theme for today is telling the story. Um, we just thought we'd kick it off by asking a few general questions, like what story or stories do you want to tell? How do you tell your stories now? And why do you want to tell your story in a better way? So anyone want to break the ice and go ahead and get started? What story or stories do you want to tell? Why are you here today? I am the communications and marketing person here at Connecticut Humanities. And um, we are telling stories of impact um, that our granting program has had in for both the organizations, the grantee organizations, as well as the communities that they serve. So that's typically the stories that we're telling right now. So the stories we tell are similar to what... Um, the person before me said, we also tell stories about our fund, our funders, so our fund holders and our donors. So, we, and we try to connect those to our student awards that we give out and to our grant, uh, our grantees and their stories. So we tell stories in the same way um, about grantees, but one of the areas that we would like to tell stories is we use results-based um, accountability. So we have three priority areas. Uh, healthy children, healthy minds, uh, healthy living. And we would like to tell stories around those key areas and around indicators and turning the curve on those indicators. So for healthy children, turning the curve on infant mortality. Uh, hi, everyone. Thank you for sharing um, your stories. And I'm the program director at the Montana History Foundation. And we raise money and grant funds for history and preservation projects across the state of Montana. And at the moment, the stories that we are sharing are about the impacts that our funds make on community-based preservation projects across the state. And we share those on our website and via our social media channels. And we just hired a new development director, Jacob Rosen, who's also on here. And now we want to also share our story with potential and existing donors more. We uh, don't do a whole lot of telling stories of our grantees other than we feature, we tell through our annual report and we, feature uh, different grantees on our website. Um, and then we tell stories of one grantee to another grantee when we're at site visits, uh, when it pertains. So in that way, uh, that's about all that we do. Although I think we need to do more with social media and with telling the stories of our grantees more through that. Um, but really my interest in being on today, and it might be that this isn't the forum at all is about how we can help our grantees tell their stories. So that's um, something that we're looking to to do for them and provide some workshops for them to to get better at telling their own stories. Mm, I like that. Different perspective is good. Um, so Chris Ringness, Eldorado Community Foundation. One of the things that we've started doing um, over this last uh, year or so is telling uh, nonprofit stories in our community. So we, we call them nonprofit spotlights. And the format is I'll, I'll take the uh, director of a, of a nonprofit uh, within the community and, and bring them into a, a Zoom interview, record the interview so I can refer back to it later when writing the article, uh, ask them all kinds of questions about their organization, everything from you know, tell me your mission, your programs, what you do, who you serve, uh, into, you know, more, more detail and nitty gritty. And then I'll write an article uh, about the organization and feature them in, in a spotlight that we blast out on social media, we publish on our website. Um, it's, been, it's been pretty successful so far. 
and earlier this year we did a a program called Building a Better Nonprofit, where we uh, brought uh, nonprofits uh, throughout our county in to uh, a five class uh, five five class. Um, program uh, where we we taught hour and a half long classes over Zoom on the basics of good governance um, uh, 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 or the other uh, organizational structure, communications, uh, finances and and accounting and uh, and fundraising and donor retention. Um, So we taught those five classes and organizations that um, attended all five uh, were eligible for one uh, capacity grants that we uh, that we um, uh, implemented this year, uh, up to fifty thousand dollars per organization for specifically capacity. But also those organizations that completed all five courses are the organizations that I've been bringing into the um, nonprofit spotlight articles that I've been writing. So they get kind of uh, a double benefit there. Not only the benefit of the of the class and the uh, and the uh, the capacity building grant opportunity, but also uh, having their story told and, and pushed out there by organizations other than themselves. So that's something we've been doing. Sounds like a great program you offered there. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm the communications manager at Azimuth World Foundation, and we are a foundation uh, that uh, supports uh, indigenous led projects and projects by local communities all over the world. So um, Telling the story of our grantees is really important because we also want to use this to raise awareness with a wider audience beyond our uh, grantees. So one of the things that we do is that we have a podcast where we interview uh, people working in projects related to safe water, public health, and the balance between humankind and nature, which are our areas of focus. And so uh, telling the story is... uh, a really important part of our work at Azimuth. That's a unique avenue of doing that, having a podcast. I really love that idea. I work for a, a local community fund, and we also tell stories of our, our grantees. Um, we do that um, both by showing um, sort of, you know, RBA data, as well as uh, they submit to us um you know, photos and um, uh, personalized success stories of their individual clients. So our stories are really their stories. Um, I wanted to actually ask a question because one of the the concerns we have is when we highlight our individual grantees, if um, in some way, I mean, obviously we want to help our grantees, but we also need to do our own fundraising. And so by highlighting by name our grantees, um, I think some people are concerned that donors would stop giving to us and then just give directly to the grantees. And um, I'm curious if other people uh, kind of struggle with that balance of, you know, yes, we want to help and promote our grantees, um, but we also want to kind of show our value um, giving to the, the a community fund as opposed to directly to the grantees. So I, I, I guess my comment is more a question of how others are handling um, that, uh, that balance. This is a little bit um, different than I think other people have mentioned, and we are interested in telling our 
our story and our grantees' stories. But I think um, sometimes we struggle, um, we as staff struggle when we are conveying grant information to our trustees um, in a way that is accurate and also addresses the fact that some of our trustees are very number oriented and some of them are very um, much interested in hearing anecdotal stories. So um, trying to improve the way that we convey information between our applicants and our trustees. Hi, this is Kevin. I'm with the uh, Berks County Community Foundation in Pennsylvania. Um, I am our energy and the environment program officer. And uh, actually speaking a little bit to what Lisa said, uh, we share stories of our grantees and also of ourselves in the same vein sometimes. Um, we have a model where there are program officers like myself kind of being the experts on certain topical areas. And so we've done things like spotlight videos where you know, I or, or one of my other program officers will spend five minutes talking about a grantee or a program that we're doing. And the story we're trying to tell is of course the grantee story, but also that we have expertise and that the community foundation is really working to convene and connect people around these topics. So it's also helping promote us as, um, as a potential place for donations and as a kind of catalyst for community change. I am with Larry H. Miller Charities. I'm one of four nonprofits associated with our companies, a family owned um, business. And in our case, employees donating to our nonprofit play a major role. And heretofore we've communicated through, I, I summarize what all the donations are and who they're going to and what they went to, uh, to our employee corporate magazine. Uh, out of state, I have encouraged committee chairs I have to communicate directly via email with maybe a brief description and, and what's going on. We're really just starting to branch out into social media. I know out of state, we've had communications people um, do press releases. We have not had an annual report heretofore, and that's something I want to launch. Um, I'm the grants coordinator with Florida Humanities, so we fund primarily community-driven programming throughout the state. Um, and I just, for what we do currently, we've we highlight people on social media, our grantees, the projects, and through our e-blasts. But we have always struggled with getting some of those stories. So what we have started to do, to go back to the question that um, Joshua highlighted, within Foundant, as part of the follow-up report, we've actually added a section where we ask grantees in their final report to write their impact story so that we have it in their words. We ask them to you know, think about what goals that they met, how that impacted the community, if there's any attendees that had a moving story or learned something new, um, and to really think about emotionally and pragmatically what the funding meant to their organization. And so then we take those um, those quotes, we, we use that in different places to promote, and we've been working really closely with our communications team, which is starting to work on potentially doing kind of short one minute videos that we can post and share through various channels um, and publicizing that even more. And on the grantee side to make sure that, you know, they're promoting themselves and talking about their stories as much as possible. We provide them with a communications guide as soon as they receive the funding so that they have 
tips and tricks on on best things to use on social media, how to write a press release, as well as, you know, any icons or hashtags that may be relevant to us as well to make sure that we're being included in any promotion they do related to their grant funded activities. Um, and then afterwards, you know, of course, whenever we're sharing these stories, we tag them if it's on social media or highlight them so that they can reshare on their networks as well. Con with uh, the Carl C. Anderson Senior and Marie Jo Anderson Charitable Foundation. And we did a, a series of co- uh, cohorts with our EDs. And uh, they kind of went through four, four modules around strategic planning, outcome, moves management and fundraising, and their story. And because they were so, and these were EDs, um, and because they were, we were so surprised at how poorly they could tell their stories. Um, We actually kind of as a pilot have worked with a couple of nonprofits to uh, on their outcomes because we wanted them to be, which is, you know, their impact story basically. So how do they incorporate their impact and their outcomes in their story? So we did commission a, um, they both needed new videos anyway. So we commissioned um, a company to work with them on short videos Uh, a short video that they could show like at a fundraiser or at a new employee orientation or a board orientation or whoever uh, that really incorporates their outcomes. And it's, it's somewhat successful, but the struggle I think is how to convey their, their outcomes. And we're not looking like for peer reviewed outcomes um, and that, that kind of high threshold it's um, but still, even with that, it's, uh, you know, they're transforming lives and yet they don't quite frame it like that or, or they're just not as bold about how they talk about their work. So that's so I love hearing all of these ideas and how we can maybe help help continue to shape that. I think that's a great point. And I'm actually curious about um, how you all see the difference between there's been mention of impact, um, measured impact, um, showing impact the difference maybe between impact and storytelling. Um, how do we develop these stories? How do you all develop these stories and tell them in a way, because there's a lot of competition, right, out there for receiving stories. We're basically flooded with different types of stories, um, whether, we're, I mean, particularly the public, maybe not internally as much when you're communicating with your audience internally. But, um, you know, and contextualizing that story in a way that is compelling and that drives the results that you're interested in, attention, funding, whatever other um, results you're interested in. So if anybody has any thoughts about that, I, I would be, I would love to hear them. Thank you for the question. And we don't, we're not quite at the level where we're gathering data to support a story, but our focus Uh, is always about impacts. But I appreciate your question because we also started aligning our storytelling with our values. So because one of our values is to convene people in Long Beach, I'm with the Long Beach Community Foundation, we started telling the stories of when our staff is out doing a volunteer event because that supports our values And uh, right now, one of our missions, part of our strategic plan is to promote our legacy program. So we're always telling the, our legacy, we started telling our legacy story based on why members joined and why it's important to support Long Beach in the future. 
So um, it's all for us, our focus is impact and now in alignment with our values. We do a little bit of, of both um, of what you were laying out, Joshua. Um, so last year's annual report, for instance, uh, we we created it around the theme of access. Um, and we told the story of our year through data, um, you know, the big numbers, the percentages, grants awarded, programs. We had those graphics with the numbers that people are looking for. But then to humanize and contextualize a little bit more, we used we, what we called access stories. So we had asked, um, you know, we brainstormed on who either was a partner or worked on a project with us or was a grantee uh, across the organization for that year. And we reached out to them and asked them for their, what does access mean to them? What did it mean to them this year, that past year? Um, and then we collected those stories and um, so, you know, next to the map that showed the breakout of dollars and number of grants, we then had on the opposite page access stories from two of those grantees um, in their own words, talking about um, what that meant to them. Um, it, you know, for one of our digital humanities projects, the same thing. We talked about how important it is for um, both, you know, access to um the the full breadth of stories, um, voice all voices, and then we had someone who helped uh, break you know uh, flesh out our collection um, in her own words describe the importance of that work. So that that's how we actually designed the whole annual report. Um, we are doing a tremendous amount of grant making in the state of Connecticut. It's sort of an unprecedented situation right now. The last two years. Um, and we awarded um, close to seven, or actually more than 700 grants um, last year. And as part of that, we have been asking the grantees to do a survey um, at the beginning. And then um, to get another, the second year of funding, we're asking them to do the survey again. And so in that process, we're being strategic in coming together and, and asking the questions of what do we want to know ahead of time. Um, and then um, we're producing data sheets um, that are being used um, both for advocacy, for more funding, um, just giving folks a snapshot of what's going on in the cultural sector um, and taking those, those data points um, and, and packaging them back up in a way that is um, understandable by whatever audience, again, that we're choosing to direct it to at the time. Um, so and there's also some questions in there too, where we, we don't know what the outcome is going to be yet. We don't know necessarily what the answers are going to be. Um, so it's a way for us to, to find out as well what's happening in the sector. Um, and then depending on how, how that shakes out, uh, you know, we can decide on the messaging around that or the proper audience for that. Yeah, I just want really wanted to highlight something that Amy said uh, that really resonated and a lot of other people have have said it as well. And it really comes back to this concept of contextualizing these stories. Um, I, I work at a state agency that provides grants across the entire state of South Dakota and 
one thing uh, that I think we all need to keep in mind, I'm a very data-driven person. It's it's easy sometimes to fall back on the data. But what Amy said was they're allowing their grantees to define, um, in her particular case, what access means to them. And I think giving our grantees, the people receiving our funding, uh, the opportunity to define what impact means to them, um, whether that's on a data scale or in a, in a survey like Amy referred to, uh, just allowing them to define what it means for themselves. It may not necessarily align to, um, in our case, reporting that we need to either do at the state or the federal level, but it really gives us an, a better understanding of really what that impact is, is doing within that grantees community, the communities that we're trying to serve. Uh, so that was that was something that came to me Um so yeah, thanks Amy uh, for pointing that out. And I, I think it really comes back to that contextualization side of it. Awesome, are there any- I'm gonna shift a little bit. I want to go back and take a look at here, why like- do you want to tell your story in a better way? Um, there are many different reasons we might want to tell a story as many people have mentioned. Um, it could be to show your impacts. In that case, to encourage donations, just to increase awareness provide updates. What are some of the most common reasons you want to tell your story in a better way? So um, I'm with the Rochester Area Community Foundation in New York, and um, currently we are capturing the information as I put in the chat in just like a final report form that we then download. And basically for various audiences, whether they're grant-making committee members or donors, Um, we basically just share bulk final reports, um, so that they have all of the information, but looking for ways to, um, compile the information, one from more of an efficient standpoint, um, whether that's with creating a merge template that kind of spits out into, um, a nice word document that can then do highlights, um, for these committee members, um, just looking for efficiencies on how to share the information because we get great info from our grantees, but depending on the time of year, I could have anywhere from 200 final reports to 500. So it's one of those things where um, it's so much information and I wanna be able to communicate the impact, but in a more um, impactful way, whether that's just highlighting certain questions um, or answers in the final report forms and then putting it into sort of an easier uh, report for those committee members or donors. Merge templates are definitely a great way to do that. So you're already doing something right there. Um, I would encourage you and everyone else to format your application or final reports or follow-ups in a certain way that you know will pull easily into a merge template. So by asking questions in a really specific way so that when you create that merge template, you can easily just download them all in batch um, and make your life much easier and more efficient so that you don't have to do extra kind of workshopping and editing once um, once the document is downloaded. So think really thoughtfully about how you want to ask those questions in a specific way so that you're getting the answers you need. You can just um, batch merge and then print them off or email them straight to your board. 
Hey, hi there. Hi, I'm with Arts Memphis. Um, we are we serve as the local arts agency for um, Memphis, Tennessee, and we have um, next year will be our 60th anniversary. Um, we we are not government funded; we're a nonprofit, and so for our uh, most of our, our history, as you might imagine, from an organization founded in the era of segregation, we supported mostly white-led uh, organizations. Um, you know, often referred to as legacy organizations like, you know, the symphonies, the operas, the ballets. And we still support those organizations, but we've really expanded um, our support to ensure that we're providing grant funding to the full spectrum of the art sector within our um, community. And so we you know, have more than doubled the number of organizations we're supporting. The diversity and inclusion of those organizations is much more representative of our community. And so for us, it's, it's a matter of trying to ensure that um, although we've been in the community for a long time, you know, a lot of folks might not know what our role is today compared to what they might have understood it, you know, a decade or two ago. So, um, and of course, a lot of the organizations that, um, you know, are, are fairly new to receiving our support in the last decade or so, a lot of them are, you know, Black-led and Black-serving organizations, um, a lot of which uh, serve, uh, you know, youth creative development programs that have super high impacts. And so for us, it's, you know, part of trying to make sure that our work today is better known in our community. And therefore, you know, through that, we also, of course, want to um, increase our um, donations so that we can continue to grow our grant support for all of these organizations that we're working with presently. Very cool. That's a great example of why you want to tell your story. I, I think um, another value of effective storytelling is potentially that it helps to shape our own identities and whether that is individually or as organizations, I think both apply. Um, I know I tell myself a story about why I work at Foundant. Um, it's about you know, participating in this greater good kind of concept. Um, and it makes me feel good. You know, that's the story I tell. Now organizations, now Foundant has a larger story that we tell about doing the right thing, et cetera, and, you know, where we came from. But every organization has this story. So as we tell stories going forward, I think this word alignment came up with values. I think like one potential effect is that you preserve or even strengthen or maybe redefine the culture and identity of your own organization, remembering that other people will probably sit in the seat you're sitting in and will have to inhabit and carry forward the mission and the vision of the work you do. So I just want to add that to the um, potential value of storytelling, effective storytelling. Well said. Thanks, Joshua. I work for Child's Play Charity. Uh, we um, have been, for most of our life, uh, our existence, we've been giving away, uh, helping hospitals get Xboxes and Playstations and game equipment. And most of our donors and community know us for that. Uh, in the last few years, we've started working with hospitals to uh, use that equipment better and to be able to um, support other kinds of technology in gaming. And, and that sort of, while we're still giving out equipment, that change um, or new, new focus, sorry, uh, is something that we struggle with trying to make sure that our donors and community know. A lot of them um, 
just have this fixed in our brain or have our old style of, of helping fixed in our brain. And, and so, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to tell better stories so that we can um, help them uh, understand our new sort of focus. Very cool. Thank you for sharing, Eric. Yeah. I know it was touched on a little bit earlier how maybe our boards or our stakeholders or who we're telling our story to might um, prefer their stories told in a different way through visual. Some people are visual learners, data. Some people really like that hard data, those numbers. And some people prefer to read a story, that narrative. Um, Anybody have any examples of how you use maybe all three of these different tactics or maybe just a combination or one of them? At the Catholic Foundation of Michigan, we typically say in, in, inform, invite, and inspire. Um, but I like explain, engage, and enlighten. And we do a, a good job with inviting people in when we tell our stories, in particular in our e-newsletter um, or our website, we always try to inform them about what's going on. So explaining um, and inspire them, right, by telling a personal story. So we're finding that when we tell our donor stories, as opposed to simply kind of the, the why behind the Catholic Foundation, our mission, um, what really inspired the donor to create a, a donor advice fund or to give a scholarship the way they did. Um, and we do fairly good, I would say, with visuals, but we don't do really good with data. And so I love this idea of data in here. I think we need to incorporate that more. Um, and so I know we've been really focusing in on legacy giving. Um, in particular with COVID, we saw that something that's really um, obviously been an uptick for us. And so really telling a donor's story from the perspective, if possible, of from them and or the people that love them, whether they're alive or if they've passed. I do use all three because, uh, first of all, visuals are powerful <clears throat> because if you a picture is worth a thousand words, and uh, if you want to show certain component, visuals have been used. Visuals are fantastic. Now, visuals just give one component, but data to show what uh, what was the impact, right? number of farmers increased, water use increased. So there are a lot of things that we show because we collect a lot of data. So we also show how the uses, how the um, utilization of certain uh, assets that we put on the ground has increased and how it has impacted the farmers or the beneficiaries in terms of numbers. And uh, obviously, you have to have narrative to explain what is going on there. So I believe that a combination of the three is really um, the way to tell the story. Um, Video is, of course, one of them, and that is visual. So it could be either photos, videos, etc., so I, I I fully agree with this slide that uh, this is how it it needs to be told, and I have used it multiple times uh, to tell such stories. That's great that you're already use a lot utilizing these three different areas. It's powerful when you can when you have the ability to do that. Yeah, but one thing is that you know the problem is that. When, um, see, I represent both. I am a grantee and also I'm part of the IEEE Smart Village, which provides grants, right? I'm a volunteer there. So 
the point is that you need to collect this data from the beginning. You need to collect the visuals from the beginning. You cannot have the impact story thought about at the end. Okay, now let's see what we need to tell. So as we progress through the project, as we pro you know, starting from the very beginning, we do a lot of photos, we take a lot of photos, we collect a lot of data, you know, we keep writing. So by the end of this, you know, implementation, you have a good, good enough story to tell. Okay. Uh, and that data has to be collected over time, not just one point. That's very true. Yep. It's, a, it's definitely a process and it's not something that we can just think about once the project is over and wrapped up and done. Um, it's something to think about starting in the very beginning. I have a question regarding data and maybe the others can chime in. We spend a period of time trying to ask that question, how many individuals did this specific donation help? I also... Um, have a question in my application, how much, how many people, you know, participate in the program, how much would this specific donation help? And I have had a problem over the years of people chronically inflating that number. Uh, we even had uh, a follow-up form at one point that said, we're less interested in how many and more accurate information. And I we found the number was almost meaningless. If I donated 5,000, somebody would claim 5,000 people were impacted, you know, $1 per person. And I wondered if the others have found a way around this problem. So, so far, data-wise, we focused more on number of donations made, number of organizations assisted, but I would like to be able to find a better way of accessing that data of how many people did this specific donation impact realistically. Hi, uh, my name is Holly Alcott and I'm from the Region 2 Arts Council. And most of our grants go to either individual artists or they go to organizations that do um, arts programming of some kind, whether they get workshops or performances or exhibitions or um, those types of things. And um, we're really, really just starting out in the idea of uh, telling our story well. <laughs> but uh, I think that one of the things we've found is that uh, those numbers do get kind of meaningless, especially in the more broad environment that we work in now on the internet, it's really difficult. Um, you know, yes, if you have a, a Zoom meeting that you're using for a workshop, you guess you know how many participants you had, but if this is something that you're going to put out on your website that the public can access, it's, it's kind of a moving target as to how many people really looked at it or interacted with it or, um, and uh, I think that uh, I agree. I think that people um, pad the numbers, especially um, we have to report to the state because a lot of our funding comes from um, the state of Minnesota through uh, taxpayer dollars. And uh, 
we have to ask our grantees to provide an estimate as well as um, the result. And oftentimes their estimate varies wildly from uh, what the actual result is. And I keep thinking how many meaningless these, these numbers actually are. I think that it has to do with the quality of what happened. I mean, now that we are starting to build stories with, you know, narrative visuals data, like we're talking about here. Um, I think that uh, it's the, the quality of what happened uh, is almost more important than how many people it served. It might be who it served. Did it serve a particularly vulnerable population? Uh, did um, it uh, serve uh, people who really needed this um, uh, arts function? Did it uh, serve um, to really um, broaden people's understanding on something? I think that uh, that number isn't, isn't necessarily where the impact is. Um, and another question that we do ask and provide data on for the state is how many um, uh, counties have been impacted? And I think that that's kind of more telling to show how broad some of these uh, performances can pull in people from not only all over the state, but from other states as well. Uh, and um, yeah, so I think that uh, we've been um, sifting through our data and really kind of, we tell, we build the story first and then, then pull the data that supports the story, if that makes sense. I really like what you're saying, Holly, the, the difference between qualitative and quantitative. Um, no one that I know of has ever purchased and opened a novel eagerly to find it full of numbers. That is, n I mean, I'm sure there are some people who like to read numbers, but you know, there's, there's something, there has to be something qualitative about it. And so the data, I think effective data visualization, although what is that? I mean, that's debatable, but takes the quantitative and creates something visually that is qualitatively impactful. I think that's one of the goals. And I don't think that's an easy thing to do. I don't think that we, you know, we don't all possess the skills to necessarily do that. But thinking in those terms is, I think, critically important because if I could just use one example, I mean, I was trying to think before this, um, before this webinar that, you know, is there an example of an organization that does this really well that I could bring? And I really couldn't, I was looking online, I couldn't really find one. And then as we were talking, I was thinking about an organization that my mom supports and has supported for 20 years. And not that this is not a plug for them, I, but it is the, uh, I think it's called the Sheldrick Wildlife um, Foundation. They help ele elephants is what she likes to support. So they have a piece of marketing that is, you know, you give some money and you are sponsoring this elephant who has a name, Corgi, the elephant, whatever the elephant's name is. And you, they will keep you updated on the progress online of this elephant based on your donation. This is brilliant storytelling direct to, in my mind, consumer, direct to donor, you know, 
extremely effective. This, this foundation has raised a ton of money, a lot of it from my mom. And so I just, I think like we can, you know, do they say, look, your dollars supported 4.7 elephants and, you know, get into the numbers. No, that is not part of what, what's, what my mom at least is responding to the picture of the elephant, the story of the elephant's growth, the progress, the arc, the narrative arc of what her giving does. And that has kept her engaged literally for like 20 years with this program. So again, one example, but um, I think it's always smart to look at how people are using this, these ideas effectively already that we can emulate or learn from. I love that example, Joshua. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind that not all three of these things are created equally too. Like depending on who our audience is and what we're trying to accomplish, maybe we're using much more narrative than data or much more visuals than narrative. We flex into these different realms depending on what we're trying to do. Yeah, so what I wanted to point out is that uh, someone raised a question that how do you go and you know make sure as a donor, now I'm talking from the donor's perspective, uh, because I'm part of this group and uh, we continuously go and say we have funded this project you know, we have funded so many projects, but when I ask for data, there is no data. So what we are trying now to do is to integrate the data collection into the funding process itself, right? So first is when you apply in the application itself, you know, there is a, some data requirement that they have to upload. But we could also, we are try, also trying to see how we can make the payment, uh, transage of the payment based on certain milestones achieved. And for each milestone, data or, you know, reports submitted or data submitted or report submitted, design submitted, photos submitted. So that as you progress, uh, you keep enforcing the grantee to have continuously uh, providing data for the impact. The second component is that sometimes it is important. Uh, no, now there are many technologies that can be used uh, where um, you can automatically get various kinds of data that you want and from the field, right? So direct from the field, going into the database or software where you are continuously collecting these data. So these are some of the some of the ways that found, you know grant agencies can adopt to make sure that the storytelling um, it, they, they don't start to scramble at the end to tell the story. Um, I know I've certainly learned a lot from you all today. I hope you all picked up something from one another during this session as well. Thank you so much, everyone.